to recognize that we knew those people were going to be leaving. We knew that they were going, we were going to have holes, and we had to make up for those holes with Aaron being gone, with Brandy being gone. But I want you to look around you. The people you sit by, we've got some holes out here. And you know who they are. And they just need to be invited back. Do you know the Spirit of God's moving in this place? The Spirit of the Lord is moving in this place. And we must let people know. The church can do a marketing campaign, but no marketing will work as well as you recognizing someone missing and you reaching out to them. I want to encourage you to invite someone to church. Every week, God is too good for people to be missing this. And people don't come because they're not included, because they're not invited, because they have lost the routine and no one has figured it out. No one has reached back out to them. And the best person to reach out to them is you. We try, but we fail. We try. We try to recognize everybody, but we just can't. I can barely recognize when one of my kids isn't here. Can anyone relate? But that I can recognize, and I can make a phone call and say, where is so-and-so? That's what a family does. When you're sitting at a dinner table and a seat is empty, you notice. So those that you're close to, invite them back. It may just be that you just need to minister to them where they are. They may not come back to church, but have they left God? Go and minister to them. Invite people. Amen. This is Christmas time, but this is a hard time for a lot of people. This is where they need to be, is in the presence of the Lord with the body of Christ, ready to help. Ready to help. Amen. All right, let's dive in. I also want to say we've said it two weeks, and I never could get, I never could communicate with you. I communicated with Michelle, but I never did with you. December 18th is not the last Sunday to give. December 24th is the last Sunday to give, the Christmas Eve service. You can always give online. You can always come to the church. And let me encourage you. One of the ways that God blesses you is through your giving. So I want to encourage you to start seeking the Lord about how to give because he is a God who responds to a giver. Amen? Amen. All right, let's dive in. We started last week about not looking back. I want to show you a scripture, and I've got a lot to cover and not a lot of time to do it. So I'm going to try to go fast. Everybody hang in there with me. It says, The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. Um, it's so funny. I, I will have re, I've, I've uh, interacted with a few of my leadership and just to find out what you can remember from my last sermon. And nobody can ever remember what I just preached. It sounds funny. But it says that... People can retain about 5% of what's being spoken. That's very hard on a pastor to know how much time we put in to, to prepare for teachers that prepare, and you realize you're only going to remember 5%. Well, last week, Elizabeth spoke about 5% of my sermon, and that's all anybody could remember. <laughs> I am not kidding. We went from person to person. They all remembered the you, but they couldn't remember the first thing I said. Cindy said, Cindy Putman said, oh, it was really good what he shared, but do you remember what Elizabeth said about the you? And I'm like, wait a minute. What did I share? And she's like, I took notes. We're talking about not going back. Don't look back. It's not the direction you're going. So many times we get hung up with what's behind us. 
And we saw in Exodus when the children of Israel had been delivered from slavery. I don't mean a, 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 it's just imagery slavery. I mean real slavery. They had been delivered, and, we, and right here, they said, finally, they, they encounter a challenge, and they respond, didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. God has just done these ten things, sent these plagues, and the, the uh, Red Sea was parted, and uh, flies came, and hail came, and darkness came. God moved mightily over the, uh, over the children of Israel. And do you remember when the children of Israel were watching these things happen, it was happening to Egypt but not to them. God was making these problems fall on those that were holding them in captivity. Then God delivered them miraculously. Then all of a sudden, three days go by and they don't have any water, and they say, we were better off being slaves. It's so easy to fall back. It's so easy. We learned last week in 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy, verse, uh, 2 Timothy 2.22, run from anything that stimulates youthful lust. Instead, pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, peace, love and peace. Enjoy the companionship of those who call on the Lord with pure hearts. I know I'm talking fast, but love, everybody say love. Do you know the Word of God says you can have all the power that's within the Word of God, godly power, but without love, it's worth nothing. Because this connection, this connection with you and the Lord, this connection with you and your children, this connection with you and your spouse, must have love. We must love one another and learn to love. But it says to run from youthful, the things that stimulates us from our youth, our youthful lust, and pursue righteous living, faithfulness, love, and peace. It's so funny, I was in Burton and Cindy's uh, Sunday school class this morning again, and I just wanted to smile so big because of the things that they were saying. It's so easy to look back at our past and remember maybe some of the conveniences and comforts. Do you know when the children of Israel were in Egypt, it was, they, it was the technology place. It was the place that had everything. They had everything. Even though they were slaves, they had everything. It was one of the most advanced civilizations on earth. And they enjoyed these material benefits, even the slaves to some uh, degree. But so many times when we repent and we turn from our old ways and turn toward God, sometimes the things in our wake look better. How many of you have had to give something up since you've started following Christ? Things that you love. Uh, I'm going to meddle a little bit, so just forgive me, but I've, my dad was a smoker, and I've watched people that smoke, and most people that smoke love to smoke. There is some kind of connection there. It's just something that they completely enjoy and are really connected. It's hard to break. I think the nicotine habit is very hard to break, but I think the love habit is the thing that's hard to break. And we look back when we turn from the direction we were going in into the direction God's calling us, and we look and think, oh, man, I miss that. Oh, man, I miss that. But what you don't see is the, the uh, consequences of that was death. But you still remember those things that are in your past. What Burton and Cindy had mentioned this morning 
is the, is the connection I want to start to make today is the thing that the children of Israel had while they were in captivity and slavery was a routine. They knew how their day went. They knew what to expect. Their provision was there for them every time, even though they were in complete captivity and bondage. It's so easy that when we step out and risk walking away from what we're used to in order to pursue what the Lord has called us to do, we start to miss out on that routine. And we start to think, man, even though I was completely depressed, I knew what my day looked like and I knew how I, I could live there. I could just turn the lights off and stay in my bed. I'd rather be captive than sticking my neck out here. Can anybody relate? It's so fearful to step into the unknown. It's so fearful to step out into the unknown. Even though the Israelites' routine was awful, they knew what to expect. Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12, verse 2. says, And be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is good and acceptable and, per and the perfect will of God. We as Christians are called to be having our minds regularly changed. We see on, from our vision that we seek to be transformed. What's to be transformed is our mind. And unfortunately, we get going on our marriage or on our relationships, and we can look back and think, man, it felt so much better back when we were first dating. It felt so much better back when our first year of marriage. Now we're at uh, year seven or year 14 or year 20. What are we on, honey? We're going to be 25 this year. Yeah. Did you know that? We're 24. And it's very easy when we have challenges to look back and think how much better it was. No, it wasn't better. It wasn't better. What's in front of us is so much better than what's behind us. What's in front of you is so much better than what's behind you. If I look back to our first years of marriage, man, I was dumb. Anybody do dumb stuff your first few years of marriage? Anybody do dumb stuff now that you're a veteran in marriage? Some of us just don't learn. But I can tell you what's in front of us is so much better than what's behind us. I want, I want to show you a scripture, and I'm going to try to just speed up here. and get uh, Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. Exodus chapter 32, verse 1. Now, the children of Israel were wandering in the desert. And we all know this story. I believe you're going to know it. It's about Moses going up on the mountain and hearing from God, and he was gone for a little while. Now, I want you to know the children of Israel were camped down below, food falling from the sky, clothes weren't wearing out, they didn't have to work, they just got to hang out every day. Now, who would, who would take that job? You just get up, hang out and eat, visit, go to sleep. And they do, do it again tomorrow. So here they sit, and they're waiting for Moses to come back. And it says, when the people saw how long it was taking Moses to come back down the mountain, they gathered around Aaron. Come on, they said, make us some gods who can lead us. We don't know what happened to this fellow Moses who brought us here from the land of Egypt. Verse 2. Aaron said, take the gold rings from the ears of your wives and your sons and daughters and bring them to me. All the people took the gold rings from their ears and brought them to Aaron. Verse 4. 
Then Aaron took the gold, melted it down, and molded it into the shape of a calf. When the people saw it, they exclaimed, O Israel, there are gods who brought you out. O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. So what's happened? Moses is left to hear from God. The people have gotten upset that they've lost their leaders, so they've asked Aaron, hey, make us another leader. They have gone back to what they knew in Egypt was to serve something. We need something. We want to look at something. Not only did they go that far to melt down what God had just provided. God miraculously provided them finances so that when they got planted, they would have gold in their hands. So what did they do? Hey, just take our gold and make it into a God that we can worship. Not only that, we're going to give this God that you make, Aaron, the credit for what God did for us. Did you not catch the last line? O Israel, these are the gods who brought you out of the land of Egypt. How dumb can we go? Not only that, Aaron, who walked with Moses through all of these plagues, as God spoke, Aaron was there to help Moses speak because Moses struggled to speak. And Moses wanted somebody. God didn't want Aaron with him. but God, and Moses said, God, I'm not a good speaker. Can Aaron, please go with me. Sure, take Aaron with you. Aaron has witnessed everything that God has done. Aaron is bought in. So the fact that you have wavered and have wanted to go back to your past is human nature. You are not the bad one. Everyone struggles with this. But you must face forward. When you start to look back, something has got to click in your mind and say, Stop. This is a lie that's behind me, this addiction that I would rather go back into, this depression that I would rather go back into, these relationships that were damaging to my spouse, that were damaging to my health, these physical things that I was doing, even though right at this moment they seem like they would be a better way to go, they're not. That's a lie. Not, Satan's not one to get you addicted to a drug again. He's wanting to get you back in slavery. It's not the thing... It's the spirit. There is a spirit trying to draw you back to where you were. That's what happens when we look back. Now, there are things in our past that we need to learn from. And then we need to walk forward. We need to learn and go forward. Do you see how easy it is to turn? When things get challenging, it's so easy to fall back into your vice. It's so easy. It says in Romans one twenty three that it says the people in God's church has progressed beyond bowing to the great, these graven images of wor worshiping these birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. It's what people does. But learning to trust and to rely on an invisible God. How many of you know God is real? He's real. But so many times one thing gets in our way and we lose complete focus. And we want to run back. We're afraid of falling back in. You know, I, I think that y'all pro probably get on y'all's nerves talking, talking about uh, weight. Um, I really think I have an issue with weight. Even though you'd say you're skinny, if you knew I used to be very heavy, 
And I told Elizabeth this week, I said, I'm really struggling. I've gained some weight. And she said, you need to be okay with where you are. You've already met your goal. You're good. And, and my problem is I'm afraid of going back. I think it's a fear. I think I have a fear of my pants are tight, and it's going to cost us money to have to buy bigger pants again, and I don't want to go back. So I become obsessive. I become almost manipulative and controlling because I want, I want such a grip. I don't want to go back. Now, I think that that's good as long as I don't start worshiping the thing that delivered me. The thing that, if I would worship the thing that delivered me, which is the Lord, everything's going to be fine. But the problem is I start to look at what I was doing in the natural, and I want to go grab hold of that and forget God. Now, that may not sound like a big deal, but it's easy for me to get into bondage. Now, that's one aspect in my life. I've got 10 of them lined up ready to take its place. Can anybody relate? And I must not look back. I must get in that class and hear about other people that have struggled and realize I need to keep going forward. That's one word that she said this morning. Now, see, I remember. I didn't take the first note. She drew this stick person when one, one, of the, on one leg had a fat foot, the other one had a small foot. I don't know that that was on purpose, but I noticed it, saying you've got to keep putting one foot in front of the next. We must keep moving forward. I want to ask you, are you stuck in the desert? Are you stuck in the desert? You've given your heart to the Lord. You've made this commitment. You're trying. You're trying to get in the Word. You're trying to do this God thing. But it feels like you cannot get out from under the desert. Do you know the desert is a, is a, is a, a mental? It's, a, it's, it's in your head. It's a mentality. A desert mentality. I want you to look at Joshua chapter 5, verse 6. Man, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kick it into gear. Joshua 5, verse 6. The Israelites had traveled the wilderness 40 years until all the men who were old enough to fight in the battle were left, that were left in Egypt had died. For they disobeyed the Lord, and the Lord vowed he would not let them enter the land he had sworn to given us, a land flowing with milk and honey. Now, I want to encourage you, church, don't get left in the desert. There was a generation that got left in the desert because they wouldn't obey. Don't get left in the desert. But the thing I want you to catch from this scripture is, is right there at the bottom, it says the, Lord, the land that he had sworn to given them. God has promised you the promised land. He's promised that land to you here on this side of heaven, not just on the other side. He's promised you victory here. But you've got to go take it. God promised them victory. He commanded them to go. But do you remember they sent out 12, uh, they sent out 12 spies and 10 of them came back and said, uh, we can't take it. There's giants in the land. And we see we, we, the, first, the, the moment we come to Christ, we get home and we realize, oh, well, I've still got giants and we want to go crawl back in, into our closet. But that's why we need the church. That's why we need the Spirit of God to get encouraged and to get, get equipped to realize you can win but you still have to fight those demons that are sitting in your home. Even though Jesus came, died on the cross for your sins, paid everything for you, and when you accept it, the demons aren't gone. But you've, you must get equipped to take on that, that demonic activity. Hey, demons, yes, 
you're not fighting against one another. You're fighting against Satan and his kingdom. And we're losing. Nowhere in the Bible does it say God's children are to lose to Satan and his kingdom. Nowhere. All throughout Scripture is encouragement saying, you are going to win and this is how you win. Would you please follow my instruction for I am with you. I will be with you until the end. But we go home and we allow those demons to stay and we allow them to win. When all you need is the Spirit of God, the Word of God, and the body of Christ, and you put those three things together, you are going to win. Do you know there are people in this room right here that have overcome depression? There are people in this room right here that have overcome cancer. There are people in this room that have overcome um, rejection. There are people in this room that have had broken relationships that have been restored. There are people in this room that have had broken marriages restored. There are people in this room that had impossible things face them that God moved miraculously. Do you know there are people in this room that needs their marriage restored? Do you know there are people in this room that needs their children set free? Do you know there are people in this room that are battling addiction? There are answers here. There are answers in the Word of God. There are answers by the Spirit of God. There are answers in the body of Christ. Don't go back. Don't go back. God has a plan and a future for you, not a past. God has a future for you. Quit looking back. Quit looking back. God has promised victory. It says in Hebrews chapter 3, verse 16, it says, Who they were, who were they who heard and rebelled? Were they not all those Moses led out of Egypt? Then jump to 18. And to whom did God swear they would never enter his rest, if not to those who disobeyed? So we see that they were not able to enter because of their unbelief. You have a part to play here. And your unbelief is going to be won over by you being in the Word because it says that we get faith by hearing the Word. We are struggling because of our lack of faith. Our lack of faith is a product of not being in the Word. We must get in the Word. We must learn how to battle. Anybody here ever tried to battle an issue on your own? Have you ever tried to battle an issue with the Lord? They're different. They're different. The next uh, chapter, chapter 4 says, Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found outside of it. Anybody here feel like that you are walking in the rest of the Lord? In God's rest? Or are you in stress and in turmoil and having and living tortured? God's promised that we will enter his rest for all. It says in the next verse, for we have, we have had the good news proclaimed to us just as they did, but the message they heard was of no value to them because they did not share the faith of those who obeyed. Now, we who have believed enter that rest. Do you know that most of the time, I, I get I, I, my faith is built 
by my personal relationship with the Lord, being in the Word and talking to the Holy Spirit and praying. But it is capped off when I reach someone that has been through it and tells me that they have made it. Do you know that we overcome Satan by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of the testimony? Something happens when a testimony is shared and someone says, I've been through this and you can make it. I've been through this and I've tried to do it on my own. You will not make it on your own. Your marriage will not be restored unless, Paul, you change. Yeah, but I keep trying to change my wife. Stop. I'm praying that my wife will change. Stop. You change. When you do the natural, God will do the supernatural. The thing is, we think it's our spouse, but it's not. It's us. The Word of God says you're looking at this speck in somebody else's eye and not realizing you have a plank in your own. God would say, can I please just help you with your own plank? It will make everything else make sense to you. But the problem is we're focusing on the things that we are not supposed to control. Hebrews 4.11 says, Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will fall by following their example of disobedience. Make every effort to enter that rest. How do we enter that rest? If you don't remember anything else, The promise for us to enter the rest of the Lord Lord, is directly connected to your belief. If that's all you remember today, is how important your belief in God is. So that when you're facing depression, when you're facing a health issue, when you're facing a doctor's report, when you're facing a judge's verdict, when you're facing judgment at work, Your ability to enter into the rest, the rest, the peace of the Lord is directly connected to your belief. Do you know that some of my most peaceful times have been in some of the biggest storms I've ever been in my life? Because once I surrender and get my focus back on the Lord, somehow that problem becomes secondary. Somehow, the Lord comes and says, finally. Do you know when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were put in the fire? When the, when the people that put them in the fire put them in there, they looked back. And instead of three people being in there, there was four. God is with you in the fire. He does not set you out by yourself to go be tortured and to, to go through pain. No, he goes with you. God is with you in the fire. If you will acknowledge Him, if you will walk with Him, do you know how you will be handled in the fire? Not a hair burned. Not a scratch, not even evidence that you were in that fire. Church, do you hear me? We've got to go forward. That connection is in your belief, and I believe that those that in order to believe, you've got to be in the Word, you've got to be filled with the Spirit, and you've got to be connected to the body. God is so good. I want to just speak a word over you for just a minute that this holiday season be your best. This holiday season is about the presence of the Lord. 
and that the presence of the Lord would fill your house, would change your heart, would move in your life. I've got so much more. Next week, I'm going to just share a few stories um, about having this desert uh, mentality. And we've got to come out of the desert. Your marriage in the desert, your finances are in the desert. You know, you, you may even say that in your job, you're in the desert. In your decision-making, you're in the desert. It's time to come out. God never intended for them to stay in the desert for 40 years. Do you know how long the journey for in the desert was supposed to be? 11 days. It was an 11-day journey. Many of you have an 11-day journey in front of you, and you've been there 40 years. It's time to come out. That's where we're going. I, I, before I pray over you, and, and I'm done, I, I want to share something with you that we learned this week, Elizabeth and I learned, that a lot of people may not know. You may be here and you may be battling addiction. And you didn't even know that there's a resource in the church to help you with that. Teen Challenge comes in here once a week on Tuesday nights for free to help you. Not to judge you, but to help you. If you're battling abortion, if you're, uh, if you're struggling, maybe you've had an abortion in your past or maybe you're considering one, we have a ministry that this church is directly connected to that will help you right now with provision, with ultrasounds, with spirit-filled nurses that are ready to help you. Um, if, you're a bat, if you're an abused woman, we are connected to ministries within our city that we can get you in touch with right now to get you help. If you have a need, you need to let someone know because there are resources here in this small church on the hill to help meet your need. Whether it's financial, whether it's marital, I want you to know we have, Justin has a degree in psychology, he's a great counselor. I have a degree in counseling. We have professional counselors within this church that's willing to counsel people in this church for free. But I'm not going to hunt you down and say, hey, I think you need counseling. That's not my call. If you will come and say, I have a need, you know, when people came up to Jesus to be prayed for, what did Jesus say? What is it you need? And the man would say, I want, to say, I want to see. Okay, you said it. The Lord would say, I'll do it. Ask. Ask for help. It's such a beautiful thing for me to be in these small groups and people be able to share what their needs are. And we see breakthrough. We, uh, we, we, we hear praise reports. We see breakthrough. Stand up with me. Man, I've gone way over. Father, in Jesus' name, I just pray over this church body, and I ask you to help us to look forward. Lord, you're so good, and you are there. You are ready to move on our behalf. You are watching over your word, waiting to perform it. I just ask right now over this church body that we get in your word and we start being doers of your word, and that, Lord, you be faithful to your word, and you start acting out on what we're doing, Lord, on that word. Lord, I ask you to fill us with your Holy Spirit. Your word says that if we would be filled with your spirit, you would lead us and guide us into all truth. Lord, I ask that this body begin to connect to one another and to, to this church body. Lord, I just thank you. You have all the answers right here. Your word says that when you come back, you're coming back for your church. Lord, let us be getting ready for you. Move in our hearts. Bless us, Lord. In Jesus' name. Everybody said?
Amen.